This episode of the Disney Dish Podcast is sponsored by TouringPlans.com, where you can find trip planning tools and advice for Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and Universal Studios Orlando. Disney Dish listeners can subscribe with discount code DISH2013. That's DISH2013. To get 25% off a one-year subscription to TouringPlans.com. Check it out as soon as you're done listening. Thanks! Welcome back to another edition of the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. I am Len Testa, your host. And today we're going to be tackling a subject that one of our listeners had suggested regarding the history of Disney World's moderate hotels. And to tell that story fully, we need a man who is there. A man with not only his ears, but other parts of his body to the ground. That man is Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? (laughs) It's not my fault I'm gravity challenged. right? I've been trying to get my spleen off the ground for quite some time now. It's, it's, we're getting a forklift. So, so Jim, um, uh, so Jim, in, in, in talking about this episode, you had mentioned that uh, we, we wanted to talk about the Disney moderates and the history of those. Obviously, it starts with the Caribbean Beach Resort. But in order to really tell the story, we have to tell the story of how Disney World, Disney World's hotels, to begin with, right? Yeah, and again, I, I apologize. I mean, this is you got to go with the James Michener route with this. I mean, you can't just. <laughs> You can't just start talking about Texas. You have to first start in the Jurassic period, where there were dinosaurs which died, exactly. which made oil. Exactly. Okay? So, All right, so so we're going to get in our Wayback Machine. What year are we jumping to? We we are starting, um, actually starting back in 1954 with, with Walt Disney. The, okay, hold, the, uh, oh, hold on, hold on. Okay, so listeners, if you're driving, brace yourself, because we're going to go in the Wayback Machine. And if you're, if you're not driving, if you're a passenger, if you're on a subway listening to this, assume the crash position. Right now, because here we go. We're going in the Wayback Machine. Ready? All the way back to 1954. All right, Jim. We're in 1954. What's going on? Uh, sorry, <laughs> I know, right? That was a tough segue. Go ahead. Everyone's, everyone's a little disoriented when it first happens, but it'll wear off. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just waiting for my luggage. <laughs> oh, it's in 2017. I'm so sorry. Look, it'll be here tomorrow latest. Okay. All right. So, again, you have to understand that the Disney always viewed itself as an entertainment company. I mean, think about it. It was a movie studio that made a theme park. And so hotels weren't really a thing that Disney did. In fact, you know, that, that was the whole point of, you know, Walt kind of turning to Jack Rather. And, you know, the irony is Jack Rather wasn't in the hotel business either when, when Disney reached out. He was the guy who was producing the Lone Ranger for television. But it's like, look, I don't have the money to do this. You have the money to do this. Would you please build a – and, that the, again, this is the important thing. Uh, it, build a motel. Not a hotel, but build a motel. Yeah, so they weren't thinking like mega resort. No, not at all. But, you know, going forward, you know, it was obvious that, you know, Jack was making money hand over fist at, at, at the hotel. And there was some grousing. But for Walt's point of view, that was in the rearview mirror. I mean, he'd made a handshake deal with his friend Jack Rather. And not only that, he'd given him the rights, a 99-year right to, if he wanted to build a Disney, you know, a hotel anywhere in California with the Disney name on it, he had it. You know, and, and, and again, the, the whole notion of for, for Walt, it was like, I did that. That's behind me. Keep going forward. Right. And what's fascinating about this period in the company, that the, the, the period from 54 to when Walt passes in December of 66, is some of the businesses he wandered into. I mean, for example, the Celebrity Sports Center in Denver. Walt and Roy went in with – and it's an amazing group of people. Uh, it's Jack Benny, Bing Crosby, George Burns, uh, Charles Lawton, Lawton 
Earl Ives, Art Linkletter, and and God, I love this Spike Jones. Yeah, know, Spike Jones. Well, from he's a, he's an animator. Is it one or another? That you're thinking Ward Kimball. That, that this, is, <laughs> this is Spike Jones, the guy who who you know who did the famous recording of the Fuhrer's face. I mean, uh, kind of crazy band leader. But they all went in on this sports center in Denver, where it was like an Olympic length pool and bowling alleys, and it was like Planet but, Hollywood before Planet Hollywood. Well, that, that's exactly. But huh. it just it was one of these things where it's like you know just walk. Walt, you know, that looked interesting to Walt. And okay. he tried it on for a little bit and was like, nah, maybe, you know, it, you know, and, and the weird thing is it wasn't making enough money. You know, the other partners wanted out and Walt eventually is like, well, you know, this is kind of interesting. And, and kind of in the back of his mind, he knew that they were going to do Walt Disney World and they were going to be in massive cash handling businesses and, you know, people in a different part of the country. So he eventually assumed full control of it and just sort of kept it as like, I'm not sure what that is, but I want to hang on to that. Okay. And this actually becomes a really important place in uh, Disney Company history because this is where a lot of the managers for Walt Disney World, particularly for the hotels and the restaurants, went to train. Because, in, inland. You know, oh, well, in, in, at, at the Celebrity Sports oh, Center. Celebrity Sports Okay, sorry. Because you know, the whole notion was like, well, Walt Disney World is going to be so different from Disneyland. That uh, it's more of a resort. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. That's it, exactly. So yeah, let's yeah. send our people there. Anyway. Really? Um, so, they, okay. so, the, so when oh, – that's interesting. They didn't think that Walt Disney uh, – that uh, Disneyland was the right place to train people. Well, no, because it, it can, the, that's the thing. If, if you remember when Walt – you remember the famous Epcot movie from 66? Yep, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. What people, a lot of people don't understand is the map that Walt is standing in front of in that presentation. That's the 20-year master plan. And in fact, what he has on the wall behind him is the resort and at the city of Epcot at full build-out in 1991. But there was this incremental plan of, you know, you got to walk before you can run. So in the case of Walt Disney World, for year one, for 1971, their plan... Total, the total number of hotel rooms on site, you know, because again, this was a huge risk. They didn't know if people were actually going to get on planes and go down there. Sure. Uh, only 1,500 total hotel and motel room. 1,500. Uh, Total. How many were in Disneyland at the time? Well, that's again, the Disneyland Hotel at this point is only, I want to say they didn't build the Bonita Tower till the early 70s. So you're only talking. Um, you know, a, a, I think 800, 900 rooms on site. But of course, yeah, again, you have to understand the very thing, the reason that drove Walt to Orlando were the number of cheap motels and hotels that had been. Right, right, right. So, so in the surrounding area, do you have any idea how many, how many hotels? Oh there? God, there were, there were upwards of, I, I, let's say I was doing this research for the book. Um, just in the Anaheim area, let alone wandering down, uh, you know, a harbor into Garden Grove, there were, oh God, a few thousand, twelve, twelve thousand. Okay, so so just to put this in perspective, yeah. Disney with Disneyland, Walt has five to eight hundred of his own hotel rooms plus another ten to twelve thousand, let's say. But again, that's that's rather not Disney. No, no, but but I mean, but but Disneyland is big enough to support. This many, right? But Walt, yep. but but the Disney Company is so unsure of Walt Disney World mm-hmm. that they they're essentially building one sixth, one eighth, yeah, well, well, the number yeah. of hotel. I I well, can remember. I can I can see where 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 shorting yourself might lead to problems here. <laughs> well, you know, of course, it's the, the supreme irony of this is that you know you jump ahead to to 
92 and here's you know you know the the Walt Disney Company of that period was ridiculously arrogant i mean here they build this amazing you know theme park just outside of paris and not only that include a bullet train that will take you or you know a high speed rail link yes. from the 7 minutes of paris. yes <laughs> it's like 7 and or 12 minutes 6 huge hotels yeah. outside of a city that has 300 of the world's best hotels and yeah. it's like why can't we fill these rooms it's yeah. because you were arrogant um so <laughs> anyway. anyway okay uh jumping backwards here okay so again this is an extremely cautious walt disney company they know how to build theme parks and they are building this vacation kingdom so they really don't like they want to to keep their their you know, uh, their vulnerability to a minimum, you know, financial exposure. Mm-hmm. So early on, they had they formed an agreement with U.S. Steel's uh, realty division that they would build, um, you know, and again, everyone knows about U.S. Steel building the modular rooms for the, the poly and the, the, the contemporary. But U.S. Steel was not only built, but was going to own those hotels and then lease them back to Disney. Really? And you know, so the, the whole notion was like, okay, you own those hotels, we own the theme park, and we'll lease them back to you. It was going to be a long-term lease. Um, but the problem was that U.S. Steel, because you know they were these are our hotels, and you know, we'll get them done when we get them done. And that was the problem. They weren't going to get them completed in time for the opening of Walt Disney World in October of '71. So, you know, late winter, early spring of '71, uh, Roy Disney sort of mans up. And buys out U.S. Steel, and then you know just turns on the money fire hose to get those hotels open. So was was U.S. Steel just not interested in running the hotels by that point, or was 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 Disney just we need to get these done? Well, it just the problem for U.S. Steel is they thought that these two hotels, the the Polynesian and the uh, Contemporary, were going to be models. You know, that, that literally showrooms that they could bring potential clients in mm-hmm. to show off the modular construction thing. And, and because from U.S. Steel's point of view, this is a model that could be used to build rooms for hospitals, rooms for schools, you know, that yeah, sort sure. of thing. Any sort and of thing where you need a lot of the same apartments, right? That's it, exactly. And w- what ended up happening is... It's actually it, not a bad at, idea. It, it is, it is. But, but the problem is they found out as they were doing it, you know, you had to build... The factory that built the rooms had to be basically near wherever you were building these hotels. Right. And so, in fact, what's, what's kind of interesting is if you know Disney property, you know, do you know where, like, the kinder care, um, yeah. child care? Yeah, behind, uh, is it, is it, um, uh... wait, so there's a, there's a, uh, sorry, I know there's a YMCA and stuff down by, um, Osceola. Well, this is actually, uh, um, I, you know, to be honest, it's just beyond uh, the golf course. I want to say the the you kind know, of the old Magnolia Gosbury Ridge, sort of off to the right from that, kind of to the if you think to the east, and just above where um, the old Disney Institute uh, Saratoga Springs is located. There's a, a complex of industrial buildings there and a kinder care off in one corner. This is actually where those modular hotels were, rooms were built. Really? And they used to, you know, drive them, you know, across the, the dirt roads to the hotel and then winch them into place. But it was as they were building it, U.S. Steel learned, like, oh, crap, this isn't going to be – because, you know, you can't drive these giant hotel rooms 
on normal roads. It has to be a private site. And yeah. just suddenly the business model for this just fell apart. Well, yeah, when you and, have to start building the factory next you, – you, instead of yeah. building the factory in the rooms, it's easier to just build a hotel, right? Yeah, That's it, exactly. Yeah, and it stinks. It, so, that, you know, they kind of fell apart fairly quickly there. Um, so, you know, Disney found itself in the hotel business – by accident at Walt Disney World, you know, and they they really weren't ready. And, and again, they began throwing all these people into the Celebrity Sports Center to train to then be ready to run a hotel. Sure. Um, meanwhile, again, that because you know, in the plan, they had always wanted to have various rooms of, you know, they, they get price points. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they had the campground set up, but they knew and they had the theme resorts. And they had just sort of broken ground on the golf resort, but they knew they needed more. So they they actually, again, because Disney didn't want to you know, necessarily own hotels, they reached out to four of the giants of the motor in business. Now, again, I love uh, the that. motor in business. Yes. The motor in business. Not motel, motor in. So when you say motor in, it reminds me of large cars made entirely of steel with no safety equipment whatsoever. <laughs> With with parents smoking in the front seat with the windows up. Well, didn't everyone grow up like that, Jim? Didn't everyone no, grow up no, like no, that? No, they, they did. In fact, Jay Leno used to do this wonderful piece of material about the car he, he you know he used to call a, a Buick Roadmaster. You know, its seat it sat twelve for yes. dinner. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, and it's just like, and it was one of these things where you know it had a radio knob shaped like a dagger. You know, <laughs> you, were, you know, if you you were in a car accident, you know, you fell for you know ten seconds before you hit the dashboard. Exactly. At, least, at least we get there. It's like you know, turn off the siren, Billy. He was driving a Roadmaster. <laughs> they just hosed down the interior and sold it to somebody else. I mean, it was a very different era for cars. It was. Um, but yes, the motor in. So the they, motor they, ends. Disney gets in bed with um with Howard Johnson's Travelodge, the Dutch Inns of America and Royal Inns of America. Um and you know, all, all the 1600 additional rooms for the moderate price, you know, for for guests looking for moderate um and again, but again, it's just fascinating moment in Disney world history. The name of the street, you know, that this was located on, again, that you came off of I-4 and drove up 535 and turned onto Motor Inn Plaza. Motor Inn Plaza. And I'll tell you, that name didn't hold very long because by the time, you know, a 1979 rolls around and they're, they're getting things lined up for Epcot, that's Hotel Inn Plaza. That's a, and then eventually just became Hotel Plaza Road. You know, they, they just found oh, that, out. So Hotel Plaza Boulevard is what used to be Motor Inn that's it exactly. They just really the street because again, and, and I guess it, it was more a case of guests just didn't want, you know, just I'm going to Disney World. I'm paying all this money. I don't want to stay at, at Motor Inn Plaza. Yeah, so it's like Hotel Plaza. All right. That, yeah, because people so so between you know 1955 and 19 you know the mid 70s. Yeah, people's expectations of of hotels had changed. Motor inns were not. No, no, no. That, no. That's exactly. Which is kind of funny, though, because you think about. Remember, uh, Universal's coming out with their Cabanas Resort next yep. year, right? It's mm-hmm. essentially hearkening back to the Motor Inn days, so it's it's retro. Well, no, no, that's it exactly. But now you're you're, you're selling the nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, so you're yeah. But yeah, no, nobody wanted nostalgia back in the in the mid seventies. 
No, no, no. Again, we were getting rid of our Roadmasters and getting our Nissans. All right. Anyway, we now we we again back on the way back. We jump ahead here because again there was a there was a plan. There was a, there was a, a methodical thought about how they're going to grow this resort. And and again, now I caution: this is the Disney World with Epcot, the city plan. So for year five. They were going to effectively have doubled the number of hotel rooms around the what they referred to as the recreation complex. So you're talking three thousand hotel room or three thousand hotel slash motel rooms. Uh, meanwhile, Disney had envisioned out at the sort of the I four one ninety two crossroads yep. that they were going to build an entrance complex for Walt Disney World, sure. and this is where. You would board your monorail and ride through the construction site for Epcot. So I I four and one ninety two. Yep. Wow. Okay. All right. So I mean, again, just just think about kind of where you come off of when you make the turn to go onto World Drive. At that point, you have this giant entrance complex where you can park and get on a monorail, but out. By this was going to be 500 additional motel rooms, and they were actually at this point figuring that they had would be starting on a couple of the residential communities that were part of the um, the Walt Disney World complex. So that those also included, you know, that supposedly when the, the park opened 71, 72, they're going to have a, a thousand motel units kind of in the, um, again, Saratoga Springs, Lake Buena Vista area. And by year five, they wanted to bump that out to 2,000. And again, just to sort of put this in perspective, like how explosive and bizarre the growth in Orlando was once they turned the key on Walt Disney World. When um, the park opened in 71, October of 71, in the entire Orlando area, right. just, there were a total of 5,850 hotel rooms. That's it. 5,000. Okay. By the end of 72, that had jumped to 22,000. <laughs> and U.S. Steel's looking at themselves going, could have just put it on 192. Could have put the factory there. That's uh, that, that's funny. So the interesting thing about that, so the the, the idea of putting a a set, a set of motel rooms, five hundred motel rooms, mm. off of I four where you uh, where you visit Disney World, they've essentially got. I mean, that, that's what they have. They have Pop Century and the All Star Resorts, depending on which exit you get off of I four. Well, that that's, that's so it was it was sort of like we you know I mean obviously it's a vastly different scale than five hundred hotel rooms, but mm. that's what they did. No, that's it. in fact that's what's so bizarre about this part of Disney history is that that what they predicted ultimately came to be, but not in the way that again the the guys with the slide rules in 1968 who were putting together the master plan here, uh, you know, that not exactly the way that they'd come out. Uh, and in fact, th- this is the other stat that just kills me, Len. That, that again, twenty two thousand, you know, seven hundred hotel rooms in the Orlando area in seven in seventy two, mm-hmm. but there's another fourteen thousand. About to begin construction at this. Point. Wow! And so it had gone from five thousand to twenty. Yep, and it was about to jump to 35, 35, 35 yeah. thirty-six. Meanwhile, so, Disney is looking at this, and it, this is what's bizarre. All right, by nineteen seventy-three. Okay, so a, almost a year, a year or so after, uh, maybe a year yeah. and a half after after opening. At at the you take the combination of the campgrounds and the the hotels. The occupancy rate on Disney property at this point is ninety six percent. All right, there, there's no room at the end. No, okay. that, that's it exactly. So they actually, and they now recognize, like, look, people prefer to stay within the vacation rooms, you know, the vacation kingdom. They're finally getting ready to turn the key on the third themed resort, which was going to be the Asian, which was located. In fact, they did, you know, again, people can remember 
prior to construction of the, the Grand Floridian, that you'd be on the monorail and you'd be going around World Showcase Lagoon and you'd look out at this perfectly square piece of property that jutted out into a Seven Seas Lagoon. So it's a, it's a little known fact, though, Jim, that the, uh, the, way of, the way that Florida's geology works, everything is a perfect square. That's oh. why. That's why the streets are grids. Yeah, literally everything's ninety degree. I'm just kidding. Everything. <laughs> it was just. It was just a feature of the of the geography of the uh, the particular land. The man made stuff had nothing to do with it. I learned so much doing this. <laughs> Some of so, it's actually true. <laughs> so, so anyway, so they they announced this in the seventy two annual report that they're going to go forward with the Asian Resort. Asian now, resort. mind you, it, again, still playing it safe, still being modest. The Asian Resort is only five hundred hotel rooms. And it is going to be it's a because it's on the monorail loop, it's gonna be a premium people yeah. are gonna to pay top dollar to stay there. Five hundred uh, rooms. That's not even the D V C at the Great Florida no. these days. Or maybe it might be that's, barely. Yeah. That's the crack up. So anyway, <sighs> construction is planned for nineteen seventy four and you know they're gonna start early and Again, uh, may, have, may have picked a bad year to, to choose to, to to build that, but okay, go ahead. Uh, well, that's it exactly. Starting October seventy three, you've got the Arab oil embargo, which which continues on till March of seventy four, and by you know by October of that year, the economy's a mess, inflation's in the double digits, so we've got stagflation, yeah. and of course Gerald Ford, our great leader, you know his his way of of dealing with this is whip inflation, whip inflation now, now the wind buttons. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's uh, that's a that's. Uh, so I was born in '68, so I sort of vaguely remember the. Uh, that's it. Exactly. Those uh, those things. But the, so the funny thing from for, to me from Disney's perspective is, you know, they have the plans to build the resort in '73. Yep. They go through the you know the oil crisis of '74, and I I, I get that they re- that they sort of they're they're hesitant about it. But the thing that amazes me is that they assumed the bad times would last, right? Mm-hmm. That was the that was the thing because again if you if you're going from fifteen hundred hotel rooms to twenty thousand to thirty five thousand why would you why would you not risk building five hundred I mean you're essentially adding what one seventieth the capacity it's a small risk hindsight is always twenty twenty I know, I know. They, they believe that, that at least within the company the problem was that Card Walker was three thousand miles away you know he's making these decisions sitting at a desk in California. And uh, it's like, look, we're making a certain amount of money, but everything we add is a risk. And in fact, that, that this is the language coming out of the 74 annual report. At the time of this writing, there is no way that the management of this company or any other can predict when the current inflationary spiral will be controlled or when an economic turnaround will occur. I forgot about inflation. Yeah. But, but yeah. I, okay. So there, this is a guy who just his natural inclination is to hit the brakes. Now, now, mind you, there is some incremental expansion going on. You've got you get wings added to the contemporary resort, and remember that the golf resort actually came online in you know the same period in, in '73. But again, that was just 152 rooms. And and to be honest, you know, one of the reasons that people believe that Card Walker allowed that one to go forward is Card Walker liked to play golf. You know, I mean. Okay. You know, he wanted to play with you know that to hold their 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 Palmer Invitational down there every year. I mean, you know, Card was a guy who the guys in the animation building used to make a joke. It would be three o'clock in the afternoon, and said, "All right, look at the window, and here's Card Walker walking out the front door of Disney Studios with you know his loud plaid pants on and a golf bag. He's he's done for the day. He's going to go play golf." Um. So you know, just it, it was. 
a strange period. And from 74 to early 80s, by the time the early 80s were rolled around, Disney on property has just over 2,200 hotel rooms on property. Wow, and, so, and, so they, they had 1,500, they built the other 500. So essentially they stagnated for, what, six, eight years? Oh, God, yeah. And meanwhile, you know, <sighs> with the... And what's bizarre is that at the ten-year plan, if by if they've been following the original plan for for, for Disney World, by year ten they were supposed to have four thousand hotel motel rooms around the resort complex, up toward you know the Magic Kingdom. So they're, they're almost double. That was what almost double. double. Okay. I meanwhile, the residential community out like in Vista was supposed to have twenty five hundred. The entrance complex was going to go from five hundred to twenty five hundred motel units, and by this point, the jet port was supposed to be up. You know, they, they were again. That, that's the other thing people forget about Celebration, where that that was located. That was supposed to be Disney's international airport. This was where you flew in, and instead of yeah, MCO, there you go. Uh, so, well, you're talking about Magical Express. Jesus, that would have been. No, that's a <laughs> not only are we bypassing the uh, the, the local Orlando transportation uh, operations, we're bypassing the airport, the infrastructure. <laughs> now, all right. Now, now, to be fair to Card Walker, you know, again, yeah, this is a guy who's hitting the brakes in regard to hotel development. But one of the reasons he's doing that is he knows that you know one of the reasons they got that sweetheart deal from the Florida legislature and you know basically you know allowed you know the you know the Reedy Creek development deal to go through where right. Disney can call the shots as to what they want to do on property is that they were supposed to build Epcot. Right, they're contractually obligated. Didn't they? Was there a, a there was a deadline, right, for when they had to do it? Uh, you know that, that it depends that, on what you mean by deadline and. You know, it, and was. <laughs> you know, and, and, no, that's it exactly. I'm sure Bill Clinton very early on. You know, what do you mean by Epcot? It yes. is. Yeah. So, you know, it was one of these things where, and we won't go into the whole Epcot, you know, the various iterations of Epcot. Let's just talk about the actual construction of it. It did this massive project. You know, Disney knew that they were going to need some help doing this. So they reached out to the Tishman Group. Now, these are the guys who built the World Trade Center, okay? And the thinking in-house at Disney, and that was sort of the big construction project of the mid-'70s, that, that mm-hmm. you know, just like, look, if these guys can build, you know, two giant towers in the middle of New York, they can handle building this thing in the middle of a swamp in Florida. And Tishman agreed to tackle the job, but he wanted a quid pro quo with the understanding that once work was complete, he would then be allowed to build what was then supposed to be the largest hotel in all of Florida. Wow. Uh, it, it's This was going to be the 1,500-room Sheraton Orlando, and there was going to be a, yet another property associated with this, the, the Holiday Inn Crown Plaza. And they were both going to be in Hotel Plaza. So you know, okay. he was huh. going to come in and join the, the four hotels that were there. But this is the thing. There was this handshake deal between Card Walker and John Tishman with, you know, y'all do Epcot, you give me this hotel. And the under, unsaid understanding was that there would then be a moratorium for upwards of about 10 years. Really? Of no more hotel building. It meant that the Tishman Group, you know, once Epcot opened, they could they could max out the profits they could get out of that property, and you know, so they, so they, they essentially guaranteed them not a monopoly, but pretty damn close. Okay. Wow. All right. Anyway, so Tishman, but again, that that's kind of handshake. Nobody likes to talk about that. Okay. Ground breaks on Epcot, October twenty third, nineteen seventy nine, and this is really this is a massive project, Len. 
Uh, it takes three years. There are 4,000 construction workers, 24 prime contractors, 500 subcontractors. You know, all of this work to, to turn 300 square acres of sludge. Uh, in fact, that's that's the other thing about the honestly could not have picked a worse site on Disney property to build this thing. You know, that just at the 40th anniversary of Epcot uh, presentation last year that D23 did, Marty Sklar was talking about, you know, the monorail that goes around the interior of the, the theme park. Yeah, it's a great it's um, a great effect. It it is, but you know, the it, next time you're in the park, take a look at the span of the monorail that kind of goes over that little inlet kind of a thing. The pond thing by uh by the Odyssey around there. Yeah. And, well, uh, actually yeah. the other side over by Imagination. Imagination. Okay. Yeah. They lost seven different support pilings. <laughs> what they just sunk into the ground? They just they, <laughs> it's like they do it. Just go to set up the track and put one in, and it would just go and go and go. And you know, they, it took them months to find the, the place that would actually hold the pylon. Wow, said, you know, we lost so much equipment in that corner, and it's like why we picked this spot. But you know, again, it was was going by. Walt said you build the city in the center of the property, so we built Epcot in the center of the property. But because of situations just like that, uh, Epcot's construction cross kept creeping up. You know project initially budgeted for 400 million you know eventually rolls to 800 million and by the time they get done it's 1.2 billion dollars now now to be fair here that that i was just talking with somebody this week and they just said look if you want to talk about why things got out of control it was world showcase really you know that you know future world was was all major american corporations who were very you know i mean it's like they were good about all right how much money Okay, that's you. You got your full amount. But when you got to World Showcase, you got to remember initially that there were supposed to be thirty countries around the lagoon, and suddenly, you know, they it's Disney's going out. They can't get thirty commitments, so they end up with eight or nine. And so what ends up happening is that they just, you know, they realize that when you just put eight or nine countries around that, they look really sparse and alone when they're not, you know, really close together. And so. What initially started off as sort of standalone buildings and like one attraction and one restaurant suddenly began mutating into, well, everything kind of has to be like Liberty Square. It has to be a standalone land. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these kind of bare bones plans kept getting added to and added to. And meanwhile, in most of these cases, it's not the country itself that's paying for the, you know, the, it's it's a, it's a company based in the country. And, yeah, they're like, look, you said this price point. This is now double that price, but I can't do that. I can't, you know, this makes no sense to us, which is why when you think about how Japan was supposed to open with the Meet the World show and Germany was supposed to have its Rhine boat ride and Italy was supposed to have its wonderful romantic canal boat. Gondola, yeah. Yeah, the, these all went from being opening day attractions to, okay, we'll do that phase two and they never happen. Uh, and even in the case of things that did get built, like the Mexico River of Time thing, mm-hmm. that that kind of its budget cut by a third. If if that ride seems short and abrupt, there's a reason. There was there were two more rooms you were supposed to float through that that you know that 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 just disappeared out of the plan as they were building it. Yeah, the uh, the effects get uh, progressively more 2D and uh, and and paint oriented rather than animatronics oriented. Yeah, I... The uh, the farther you get into the ride. But but even so, here's you know Disney's opening Epcot, and they believe that you know this is really going to turn things around. This is really going to make things happen. Um, and so here you have the speech by Dick Nunes, and um, you know this is spring of '82. We're six months out from the opening, and this is where it gets interesting because I 
you know, you've got Card Walker who's had this handshake deal with John Tishman mm-hmm. about you know, Disney's not going to build any hotels. And yet, listen, listen to this speech. All right. Uh, current estimates is that this area, the Central Florida area, is, is now 15,000 to 19,000 hotel rooms short. We're worried about that. So right now, we plan on expanding the Polynesian, the Gulf Resort, and the Walt Disney World Village Resort area. So, okay, th- so the Tishman Hotels, you know, we're, we're going to be factoring into this. But we also have in design three hotels. The Mediterranean will be located between the Ticket and Transportation System and the Contemporary Hotel. The Cypress Point Lodge, which eventually, as you know, became Wilderness Lodge, will be west of River Country in Fort Wilderness and will be themed as a western hotel. It will include log cabins along Bay Lake. The third, the Grand Floridian, will build at the old Asian site near the existing Polynesian Village Resort. It'll be a replica of the great Florida hotels of the early 1890s. Really? Uh, again, so th- again, this, that's the... What when I love when is this? This is spring of 82. So, and, you know, that's, that's what's fascinating about this story. Everyone has always assumed that the Grand Flow was something that Michael Eisner... Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. No, this is this is here is Dick Nunes, president of the, the Walt Disney World at this time, announcing that you know we've designed it's a great replica hotel, and our creative people have come up with an absolutely beautiful design. Huh. So, so. this was eighty two. So it opened six years later. Yep. Yep. Eighty eight. So. Ha. Huh. All right. Anyway, we jump ahead here. Uh, in addition, we have some dreams for the Walt Disney World Village, from the Empress Lily Restaurant. We're going to uh, we're going into a New Orleans street, and you'll walk right into a beautiful New Orleans hotel. This is where it gets interesting. There's your moderate, lad. You know the first that's Disney. It was going to be ha. Huh. The, the Port Orleans Dixie Landings Complex was originally supposed to be built there, kind of where we now have Disney West Side. Uh, Pleasure Island. And oh, so that's where uh, Fulton's uh, came in. Uh, oh, I kind of that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So, because so, I mean, Fulton's was the Empress Lily, right? Yep, that's it exactly. So, what fascinates me about that story is here's Dick Nunes saying this, but we know that Cart Walker's made this deal with Tishman. Yeah, you know, there's there, there's some tension there. Yeah. So it's like, so would what's the system he was going to announce that would be built after you know that the you know Tishman had recovered his money. Anyway, all right, uh, jumping ahead, up, Epcot opens October of 1982, gets decent reviews, but by 83, attendance is already eroding, and because the company had financially overextended itself with the construction of Epcot and at the same time getting the Disney Channel on the edge, suddenly it's vulnerable to green mailers, and you've got Ivan Boski making runs at the company, you've got Saul Steinberg, you know, uh, kidding Disney, uh, you know, threatening the company, and and Roy Disney and Stanley Gold are just disgusted with what's going on. I mean, it, to kind of put this in perspective, Len, do you want to know the last hit film that Disney had before this all went down? Uh, was it the cinematic masterpiece uh, Apple Dumpling Gang? <laughs> Five years further back. The Love <laughs> Bug, 1969. Wow. That was the, you know, the last thing they, they could legitimately call a hit by Hollywood standards. So Stanley and Roy get in bed with the Bass Brothers, who then become the company's White Knights. They manage to get Michael Eisner and Frank Wells installed as CEO and, and president. But here's the thing. The Bass Brothers right out of the back. It's like, look, you have to. We've got to get more money. You know, we've made this huge investment in the company. We want you to do more development at Walt Disney World. And, and just to, to kind of put this in perspective, at that point in Disney company history, only ten percent of the land in Florida had been developed. You know, and wow. this is 
after Epcot opens and the shopping village is up and running. But, you know, so 90% of it is, is still wide open. So Eisner turns around, forms the Disney Development Company, which is going to be the, the part of the company that develops real estate. And Eisner, you know, is going over the books, checking everything. And one of the things that Disney is losing, because it's all happening off property, is convention business. So, you know, he announces that they're going to build this giant convention-shaped, you know, or convention-based hotel near Epcot. And John Tishman, just like, wait a minute. Gentlemen. <laughs> Gentlemen. <laughs> I believe, I believe we, we have a deal. So, and, and. So this is 84. I, when was the, when was the deal with, uh, with Tishman made? And Tishman was made in 79. Oh, right. so like, so like a, what, five years later? Yeah, five years later, and it's like, wait a minute, we we spent all this money, we had all our people in the sweltering heat of Florida building your damn park, and, you know, it's time, you know, that you make good. You know, more to the point, we have the, you know, that, that you can't do this. And so he turns around and sues Disney for $371 million. And there's kind of a, you know... A back, couple... That's back when $371 million was real money. Now it's actually less than the Powerball lottery, but go ahead. <laughs> I was just looking at it going, I can pay you, or I could just buy 100 million tickets and call it even. <laughs> there we go. All right. Okay. Um, what ends up happening is that, you know, Eisner, you know, goes into a room with John Tishman, and they kind of hash it out, and it's like, all right, how about this? I want a convention hotel, and uh, but I also want the rights to actually, we, we have to start building hotels on property. So what if you build the convention hotel right next to the theme park that you know you built and for tishman this is a win-win i mean you know they get to build you know in addition to the crown plaza and the sheridan out on on you know hotel you know plaza drive they they get to build this giant coat you know convention center complex right next to epcot it's like well yeah sure but with the understanding that this lawsuit goes away and once we do this you have no right, you know, that the, these are the only two hotels, you know, beyond the two you've built uh, down in hotel in Plaza. So they've essentially torn up the old contract and re- rewritten it. But at the same time, Tishman is is a smart guy. He owns those building outs, right? He has a 99-year lease on the land. Uh, you know, and Disney, they're not idiots either. I mean, they got, you know, they get a share of the hotel's revenues. And sure. this was actually the beginning of Eisner, the... Um, the architect patron because he made part of the deal mm-hmm. that Disney had a say on the design and the architecture uh, in both the interior and the exterior of that building. So that, you know, once that deal was in place and everybody was happy, then began the most remarkable period in Disney resort history. You know, you then saw a billion dollar expansion of you know, at at Walt Disney World, and all of that money, every dollar of it, went into the construction of new onsite hotels. Wow. Okay. So I think that's a good place to uh, to stop this particular one. We'll we'll pick up with uh, the construction of the hotels next. No, absolutely, absolutely. But just a, a quick note here, though, that uh, you know the kind of, the irony is that if if they had stuck with the original plan for Walt Disney World uh, by year twenty. So we're talking 1991. Mm-hmm. Uh, there would have been 6,000 hotel rooms. <laughs> 6,000. 6,000 up by the resort complex. Uh, Epcot, the city at this point, is supposed to have 10,000 employees. Uh, there's supposed to be 4,000 hotel rooms inside of the city, along with uh, 7,500 residential units. And the, the additional outside residential community, sort of the suburbs of Epcot, yep. 
uh, 16,500 residents, 3,000 motel room units out there. And and again, just this is what fascinates me about what fell off the table. The Disney Industrial Park. And this is the thing that became really Industrial the, Park. Became the bone of contention with, with uh, the state of Florida. It's like, where are the good paying jobs? Um, there's oh. 20,000 employees working out there. And you know, don't get me wrong. There's lots of, you know, there's tens of thousands of employees who work on Disney property, but a lot of them are minimum wage. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I, I just, I, I guess what cracks me up is it, you of all people would, you know, given, you know, how well wired you are into how many rooms there are actually on property. But the total hotel rooms by 91 were supposed to have been, you know, on, on Disney property were supposed to have been 18,500. I mean, huh. you know. You know, for example, by this point, they're supposed to the jet board is fully operational and there's 500 motel rooms out there for people who are just looking for a place to crash before they get out early in the morning to take their flight. Um, wow. But yeah, you know, that, and that, that's interesting The uh, with the industrial park because those are manufacturing jobs, which typically pay more than uh, service sector jobs. Now, that's it. Ah, wow. I can see how they're in, they're they're upset. Yeah. So, so anyway, next time, I, again, I'm sorry, we, we had to go through the whole Jurassic history of, of Walt Disney, but next time we get to the moderates, and what's fascinating is you really can't tell the story of the moderates at Walt Disney without getting into things like the Grand Flow, because they were kind of built in the, the same time. I, but I, didn't, I didn't know that about the Grand Floridian. I, I yep. really thought that was an Eisner baby. No, no, and, and, but that's, that's the fascinating part of the, you know, the actual history of this company. If you, you dig down, it's like, that's absolutely, positively not your idea. You got it from somebody else. So. Huh. Fantastic. All right, Jim, well, thanks, for, uh, thanks very much for, for letting us on that. I can't wait for the, uh, to hear about the, uh, the history of the moderates, because uh, that'll be fantastic. Coming soon. All right, for, uh, for Jim Hill, this is Len Testa. You've been listening to the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. Please go back onto iTunes and rate our podcast and let us know what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show. Take care, guys.